you're listening to Priceless Beauties Podcast. Hey beautiful, Pamela Price here, makeup and spray tan artist, educator and owner of Priceless Beauty Studio, an international award-winning beauty business. But more importantly, I will be your host and cheerleader on this journey of self-love, self-awareness, and growth. Life didn't come with an instruction manual, and entrepreneurship can be a lonely and scary road at times. I am personally inviting you to join me on this brave adventure together while I chat with women just like you who open up and share their secrets about their business, their inspiration, and their stories. When we empower one another, great things happen. All right, babe, thanks so much for pressing play. Welcome to the Prices Beauties podcast. I'm so stoked to have you here and chat with you virtually since real life has just not been the same for a little while. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and I miss you a lot. And it's nice to see your face, even though no one else can. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post a picture of us, not to worry. Oh, okay. It was too late to do makeup at this point, so you guys aren't going to see our faces unmade up. Sorry, not today. Yeah, we're in our jams. <laughs> For those of you who don't know who Rachel Renna is, go check her out on social. I'll make sure that I post her um, handles in the show notes and everywhere that we um, share this podcast. So you'll be able to check her out. But I'm going to give her a little intro. She's just an amazing makeup artist, beauty professional. So makeup and hair. Um, I don't know if you dabble in any other beauty services, but I know those two definitely are your passion and what you are amazing at doing. And I went on her website just to, I know that she's been doing a lot of amazing things, but I had to go on her website just to read a little bit about it. And honestly, I was blown away. <laughs> There's like pages on pages on pages of things and amazing accomplishments, excuse me, that you've done. I know you've done print, TV, bridal, film, runway, like pretty much every different sector of the beauty industry you sort of dabbled in. Um, I know you were the bridal beauty director at Kleinfeld's for Face Atelier. I've seen your work in so many amazing magazines, a wedding vacation. So you're going to have to tell us a lot about those trips and travels you've done during your um, ventures, doing destination bridal makeup for weddings magazines. Um, I know you've been doing work for TIFF, uh, many big name print campaigns, uh, wedding bells, royal wedding we're gonna have to <laughs> definitely talk about that <laughs> that was the highlight of my career probably. oh my gosh bizarre magazine breakfast television city line e-talk celebrity clients it's extensive guys <laughs> well i have been doing this for over 10 years so i have a lot of opportunities I've, I've been able to get a lot of opportunities i should say over that time period um and i started when i was pretty young so it was all it was all a slow climb but once i felt like probably in the last maybe four years or so i was kind of really peaking in in the sense that i felt like i'd really dabbled into everything i wanted to do and i was really honing in on the things that i enjoyed and i loved and work travels were one of those things that really were really so so enjoyable for me and i wanted to do them forever and then everything shut down <laughs> Oh, God, I know. <laughs> Can you, um, well, let's maybe take a step back and chat about where it all began, because I do know that you, I believe your mom, there was, 
Yes. Makeup and beauty have been in your family totally. for generations, right? I am. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy because I feel like makeup has kind of only blown up this past, like our generation. But talk to me about sort of how you got into the beauty industry. Right, right. So I am a third generation beauty professional. And that actually has a lot to do with, um, I think, my love and passion for it because it was something that I was exposed to at an early age. And, um, it started with my grandmother. She was the beehive queen in <laughs> in the fifties and sixties. People would uh, would get her to do their hair, and she was amazing at it. She loved it. it I don't know if I don't actually know her career um, specifics. If she, I don't think she ever even worked at a salon. She offered at home services for friends and family, and um, that was just what she was known for. She always looked good herself so she was one of those women that you know always had herself together and my mom um got into the industry when she was when she was probably in her late teens and early 20s because that's when she married my dad and i know that she was working in tv for a short time but she was mostly doing bridal and my dad was also in the wedding industry because on the side he was doing wedding videography so they were a duo and I even, I think my mom was the B camera uh, for some of the weddings that she, that she worked as well with him. So they did a little bit of a duo as their weekend work for a few years when we were growing up and she, she retired from the industry earlier than I did because she started a family earlier. Like by my age, she already had three kids and she wanted her weekends back. So it's totally understandable. Um, but in terms of my love for it and how it grew, it was definitely watching my mom do her makeup and stealing it going into, you know, elementary school. I think I was even, she told me that they called her when I was in, in, um, in kindergarten that my, the nanny that would get us ready for school in the morning could not stop me from wearing my party dresses and red lipstick to school <laughs> and she was working oh multiple jobs so we had to we were getting cared for um and getting ready for school when she was working full-time um so she said that I always really had it in my head that I needed to look my best and I was stealing her makeup from a young young age I re still remember her voice in the morning yelling my name asking where I put her <laughs> eyeliner or because I'd, I'd take it and I wouldn't put it back where it belonged she didn't mind if I used it but I needed to return it oh my gosh well your daughter is two now she's turning two, two this month yeah in a couple okay of weeks. so she's too young to get into makeup but she has she done the like eating mom's lipstick thing yet or well my makeup <laughs> room is her favorite room in the house so this is the one that we hang out in if um i'm doing anything I'm just doing a lot of organizing these days, just trying to keep it together. And I do content creation. So when she's napping is really the only time I can do it. And if I hadn't wrapped it up when she wakes up, she's usually sitting here watching Peppa Pig while I do it. And she knows how to use makeup brushes already. So, and she's <laughs> getting really good at me doing her hair in the morning. She's definitely a little mini me. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter and I have, massive debates over hair mm. so um yeah i can i can understand that <laughs> it's good that you're getting her early actually my daughter was bald until she was three so and i prayed and prayed and prayed for her hair and then her hair grew and now i'm like 
good Lord, help me. I'm in this <laughs> stage where I had the same situation where my hair didn't really get full until I was after two years old. And Vienna's just getting to that point where I can put it into little elastic. So I'm enjoying it. And I'm glad she doesn't have a sensitive scalp because my little sister wouldn't let my mom touch her head. And I was, I had the pain tolerance that could allow her to do anything to my scalp. And seems like Vienna enjoys getting her hair brushed and, and, uh, and played with. So I'm, I'm happy to be able to be her stylist. <laughs> that's amazing. So that's basically the extent of the services that you're doing at this moment. <laughs> yeah, my daughter's hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, okay. So you fell in love with, it was just basically innate in you since you were little. And then at what point did you decide, did you know right away that's what you were going to do professionally or did you go to school for something else prior to, or what does that look like? Yeah, no, I had no idea that this is something that I was going to be doing as a career. When I was in high school, um, I definitely remember being that girl that went to school every day with a different makeup look to match um, her earrings. And, and this is, we're talking about like in the, in the nineties, right? So we were all into those, those really gaudy accessories and a civics day because I went to a Catholic school with a uniform. So when we were able to wear our own clothes, that was our sense of, you know, expression. And, um, I just, I was that makeup girl. I was the girl that always had to wake up early to do her makeup in the morning. And that was the basis of, I think, learning and honing my skills was on myself because I was dealing with, I'd say, some women, female insecurities, you know, the things that you do when you're growing up as a teenager, trying to feel accepted and, and, and just be, you know, looking your best and feeling secure and just getting your self confidence. And that was my security blanket was a lot of that was putting my face on covering my under eye circles because I was told I would look tired all the time if I wasn't wearing makeup. So it started young, even with, with yeah, acne. Acne was something that I would struggled with. So makeup was my savior in terms of being able to kind of be able to be myself without feeling judged from the outside. And I went through some awkward stages too. So makeup really helped me feel like, um, better about myself. And that that's where it began. Um, so I think my friends were really interested in me showing them or doing their makeup, every opportunity that they got. So when we started going out to all ages clubs and all of those, <laughs> I was the designated makeup doer on everyone. And I was always down for it. I was so thrilled to be able to play with makeup. I had a collection from when I was young. Um, so I definitely had the most makeup of my friend group and I love doing everyone else's makeup. So that started, that started just as a, you know, a fun hobby. And, um, I got the opportunity to do weddings when I was in high school too, because my mom wasn't doing it anymore. And the family members that got married would usually ask her. Um, so when my cousins got to the age that they started getting married, I actually was asked to do my first wedding, it was a destination wedding that I was obviously invited to, to attend. Um, and that sparked the love of, of being the giver of joy and just to be part of the celebration and know that what I was gifting them was the, the confidence that I learned to create through makeup. And, 
and that it's giving me goosebumps. It's literally the one, the first wedding I did with my cousin, Jennifer, um, she doesn't know, but that's, that's definitely the spark to my fire. Um, when it came down to realizing that I really had a knack for working well under pressure, um, finding the beauty in every face, you know, just kind of also really asking the right questions to hone in to what they wanted to feel good and confident and not necessarily what I wanted them to look like on their wedding day. I think that's really important is being able to remove yourself from the equation a little bit and kind of service their needs and come to a collaborative place where they are really, you're bringing their vision to life. Um, so weddings were something that I did on the side through high school and did it did give me the opportunity to save some money. I was working, I was working at McDonald's is my first job. I was a swing manager when I was like 15. So that was like the weekend overnight shift um, as a manager. <laughs> I was like probably the youngest <laughs> person promoted to manager at McDonald's. <laughs> and uh, so I definitely always had that leadership quality. I always wanted to kind of be excellent at things when I did them. And I, and I always um, did really well at school. I was, a, I was academic. And in the family of three that I have, the two siblings I have, I definitely was in line to go to university more than the other two they were they were creative as well but they knew what they wanted to do or what they were good at or excelled in so that was like a college driven profession um but i feel like i struggled a little bit more in school to figure out where i should go because i just did well in every class so all of my teachers were like oh you should do this for you know a living and i always was I was very highly influenced by people's opinions of me at the time. And I consider myself a little bit of, or a lot of an empath. So um, just the energies of people really kind of um, are, I would just absorb a lot of people's energy. So when I was given advice, I usually would take it. Um, but the one I took the strongest was a teacher that encouraged me to get into law because I was a really good arguer so i was for debater i should say um, i bet you your husband loves that no <laughs> no <laughs> that's definitely where we butt heads a lot because i'm one to always be right and i think my mom supported that decision she knew that um of all the kids and you know the with if the grades were to show who should go to who should be spent <laughs> Who should spend most money on education? I went. I went to university to to study. Um, actually, I went to university first. I went to Laurier to study business, and I did a. I was in line to do my BA at Laurier, um, and that I think was an accidental choice. Um, I think it was driven by a boyfriend I was dating at the time, so it was the wrong choice. I definitely did did uh, shift the second year because I failed calculus. Um, business calculus is not the same as, as numeric calculus, which I did really well. Um, I did really well at in, in high school, but business calculus is like all words. And it was so much, it was so much more challenging for me to figure out. I don't know, I failed calculus. So I transferred all of my credits with the help of my mom because she's such a keener. She um, was able to get all of my credits accepted to U of T second year. And um, I was able to not get behind in my education. I, I then transferred to a major in law, crime and deviance and a double minor in sociology and philosophy. And that, wow. and that is, um, 
Actually, I think my tuition was partially paid by me working on the side doing makeup. Um, but I didn't consider it to be my full-time career because I was, I was expecting to go to law school. And then I think when I graduated from there, I'd already planned to do I wasn't, I didn't want to do my LSATs right away. I was really intimidated by the idea of doing LSATs and going to law school because I was kind of sick of school at that point. I'd been in it for five years and I wanted to kind of get to work. So I applied to be a border service officer and um, they were in the middle of a hiring freeze. But, and because I was not able to go do that, I actually enlisted in a makeup certification course that summer, the summer that I graduated at Sheridan College. And because I had already had so much experience, I kind of just buzzed through that, that certification course. It had special effects training, there was hair and makeup. Um, but I, I don't know if I learned too much, because I felt like I already went in with a lot of knowledge. And I mean, I like to think that I was kind of teaching that course. <laughs> I think the hairstylist that was um, the instructor there, she worked at Supercuts and she was <laughs> telling us how to do updos, but that was like a ponytail with five loops. And I was like, this is not an updo lady. <laughs> so um, at the end of that, I mean, I actually ended up doing my makeup professor's wedding. The, a so year funny. or two later, she trusted me to do that. So if that's a testament to my skills, I'd like to, I can toot my own horn. <laughs> but that's, I think that's where it started. It was, a, it was that my first choice did not pan out. And I was doing really well at makeup and hair and I was getting experience. I was doing a lot of music videos. I was doing a lot of pro bono work at that time because it was a hobby. I really loved to do it. Um, so that's where it started. It was, it was because I was enjoying it. Um, and I didn't really think I'd be able to make a living out of it uh, until push came to shove and I couldn't make a living doing the one thing that I'd gone to school to do. Mm -hmm. And now I had, well, I didn't have that much school debt, but I definitely needed to start making money. And uh, it drove me to kind of figure out how I could make a business out of something that I love doing and, and support myself. So mm -hmm. that's where that's the, that's the ditty. That's Wow, that's such a great story because I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, at least it happened organically. Right. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of fell into the right direction. So that was um, how old were you when you sort of decided, like, all right, this is something that I love to do and I'm making money at this. The other things aren't really happening. So this is the direction that I'm going to um, pursue. So in my last year of university, before I graduated, I got a, I got employed as a administrative assistant, sorry, an executive assistant to the marketing director of beauty service, beauty systems group. So beauty systems group is the owner. Do you know Sally beauty supply? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the head office. And it was a, a job that I took to pay for my tuition. Um, and finish my university. Um, but it gave me a lot of access to beauty things. And I was planning um, these events for the company and involved in the ABA hair show. Uh, 
Um, cool. So behind the scenes as the executive assistant, it was a lot more coordinating. Um, but also there was a lot of product that kind of came about and into my plate there. But I think the, the, the thing that really got me going was going to these hair shows and seeing people on the main stage um, doing all these elaborate looks and these creative works. And I was doing things on the side at that time for fun. And this really, that, that moment, that aha moment really inspired me then when I was doing something that I felt was a little bit more mundane, which was the, you know, corporate life. Mm -hmm. Um, but seeing all these people that were like funky and, and just fun and happy (laughs) individuals. And, um, and also truth be told my first experience in that corporate job, that space, I was 21. Um, and, uh, I was working with, you know, people that were, that I was working with, obviously it was a mixed gendered corporate office life. And to be honest, there was an altercation at the office. I was a young person. Um, and let's just say HR, let me go because of some sort of issues behind the scenes where um, I was getting I was getting male attention from the wrong source. And that mm. really turned me off of working in a corporate environment with with men. And it drove me to um, focus on doing makeup because it was a safe environment with primarily women. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and that's kind of like a subconscious thing that I think evolved because I really didn't want to go back into working into a, in a corporate office. And I knew that becoming a lawyer or a police officer or anything else might actually put me in that line of fire again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. We're going deep here. I know. This is something <laughs> I don't talk about. Well, I'm glad we're talking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly really love the fact that I work with primarily women and I find it so funny that when I have to have a conversation with like a man who's a photographer or something like that anytime I have to have a conversation with a male basically other than my husband I never know what to say (laughs) because I'm just not used to you know having conversations with men like women it's just very easy to have conversations with we can talk about anything we could literally talk about anything for hours on end and I would be happy right yeah small talk turns into deep talk really easily with with women that you can surround yourself in you know especially in an environment where you're giving them something or helping them or servicing them and they trust you it can Mm -hmm. be it's a really beautiful experience like i'm sometimes drained by it at the end of the day because there's so much talking (laughs) i need to have quiet moments when i get home yeah or that car ride home (laughs) after a long day on set or at a wedding and I'm just I need me time to kind of decompress and come back home to myself (laughs) but yeah but in general yeah I think the the dynamic is definitely different working with women um and on women and for women and for for the benefit of you know a collaborative experience or for someone's wedding that's it's all like good good vibes right um Mm -hmm. and working with men, I think in a creative space is easier, but sometimes it's hard to talk to people who have a different career, especially men that have a different career, because they can kind of look down upon you if you are, you're like, I'm a makeup artist, or 
I'm a hairstylist. I, I, I definitely feel the conversation or the mood shift a little bit to like, oh, so you're uneducated or so, mm-hmm. you know, what are you bringing to the table? Really? Are you just doing videos online? Like there's definitely that there's a little bit of condescendence in some cases when they don't really understand the role and what goes into it. Cause it's a lot of, this is an entrepreneurial role. This is business. You have to be business minded and you have to know what you're doing to have a career in this field. Yeah, totally. I had posted um, a video on my personal Instagram page and it, it went viral and I got a lot of negative comments from um, men, very like condescending comments about like, get this woman a job and <gasps> all kinds of like, yeah, like nonsense. I, I'm like, didn't take it personally. I actually found it to be funny. Like I'm not in that place anymore that it bothers me, but I just find it funny, you know, because, to the fact that to this day, a lot of people, especially men, don't really take our industry or our career path seriously. But meanwhile, it's like a multi-billion dollar industry. I know. I have <laughs> there's, yeah, stories for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I can definitely resonate with that. Um, well, with that. do you, personal question, is your husband super supportive of your job? He is, yeah. I, I mean, I, he doesn't. he, he doesn't get... Like <laughs> I'm like doing my makeup and like going on Instagram. I'm like going to do a photo shoot and like buying new outfits for this and that. And he's like, um, I'm like, this is my job, babe. Well, <laughs> yeah, this is what I do. <laughs> Cause I, I feel like my husband's kind of jealous of my job and he puts it down a little bit and I get really offended. He's because he doesn't, it's almost like when people are doing things that they don't love to do. They can maybe look at people who are doing things that are working in a position of, you know, something that they excel at, but also enjoy. They don't really relate and they can't really understand it. And mm-hmm, there, I mm-hmm. felt some digs and I've really had to put him in his place a few times where he was just like, oh, you're just going to go draw on people's faces. And I'm like, excuse you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know what? Ultimately... Yeah, they're not going to get it. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're bringing money home mm-hmm. and you're a happy person. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I have to be like, well, you know what? I made more money in three hours than you did in two days. So, funny story when I started <laughs> dating my now husband, he, because I introduced myself, I said I was a makeup artist. I don't think, I don't, I'm not sure if we had exchanged socials at that time. <clears throat> we probably had, but. But at the same time, he thought it was a front. He thought it was a stripper. Hmm. <laughs> or at least he, at least he, he, um, at least he accused me of being a stripper because, you know, the same, that's the exact thing that you can, you can leave and then you'll be off the grid almost like inaccessible by phone for hours on end. And then you come home with cash. <laughs> And you look super hot and most you, of the time, depending on the job. Looking good because you're obviously yeah. trying to look presentable. So there was there was a little bit of, uh, oh wow, you actually are a professional makeup artist making money. I mean, I the only person I've ever known to be able to come home with wads of, you know, cash like that, and that's when you're working in bridal, of course. But it was, it was he was impressed. He was impressed that that we have the you know the income capacity that we did. Because I don't think that he would have ever been exposed to that kind of line of work. Mm-hmm. A funny story too. I always 
Nobody ever accused me of that, but I always felt like I was, I'm like the odd mom out because in the morning I would drop off my kids, like in my track pants, hair, like messy bun, just like hot mess. And then I would go like, especially when I was working at Mac, for example, I would, you know, we had to be done up, like fully done up, look like we're ready to do a photo shoot ourselves or to a nightclub, whatever. And then I would pick up the kids and I was like a completely different person. And I would always wonder what the parents were thinking. Like, I wonder what she does for a living. This literally goes through my mind every week because I'll film a video. And so my makeup will be done after Vienna's nap because that's really my only opportunity to do it these days. And I go to the park with her and now I'm full face beat and I'm wearing, I'm still wearing track pants and stuff, but they're probably looking at me like, who does she think she is that she needs to get herself this ready for the park? (laughs) Hey, if it makes you happy, then you do it, girl. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so funny. Um, Can you tell me, let's, so, I mean, I feel like a lot of people other than men and our husbands, of course, think that uh, the life of a makeup artist is so glamorous Mm. and from the outside, it really looks like it is. And sometimes it is Mm -hmm. like, I have had experiences that are pretty badass um, entering through back doors and in black um, SUVs and all kinds of like cool experiences. And sometimes it's been badass and sometimes it's been hella exhausting, tiring, running through the rain with so much stuff and (laughs) 3 a.m. start times and all kinds of nonsense. So I am sure that you have a story or two to share about the not so glamorous side of being a makeup artist. (laughs) Well, most of it's not so glamorous. I mean, the glamorous (laughs) part is the end result. But when it comes Mm -hmm. to actually being a makeup artist, there's a lot that comes into play. At the end of the day, we're still just we're a crew behind the camera lens, right? So, and we usually took on that role because we're not trying to be superstars in front of the camera lens. So to, to do both is, is interesting because then you're trying to be, you know, in front of the camera as a brand. Um, but I started behind the camera and really wanted nothing to do with being in front of the camera for a long, long time. Um, and so getting involved in doing music videos and doing ad campaigns and, and kind of networking and building my way up through um, PR companies that would hire me, I got connected to a lot of higher end clients. And that's when I was kind of introduced to being in that sphere of, you know, the ultra rich or the the super famous people like when I did TIFF, and I was able to meet, you know, like George Clooney or, or Brad Pitt. And it was interesting to be someone that was a makeup artist, loved what I did, and um, obviously knew that the role was really important. Um, But these superstars or people that you meet and actors, and they're just real people too. So um, in a lot of ways, it kind of, it was humbling to see that, you know, all the people that you kind of looked up to in magazines and were just, you thought you'd be starstruck. I was able to be desensitized to that pretty early. So getting clients that were kind of, uh, up and coming or already in the know and, and in media, um, they usually they usually have a lot on the go and being a makeup artist for them and especially being trusted to be their go-to person and um, wanting them to be hired for all the jobs you're on, I think there's a lot that, of a responsibility that came with it. So not just in 
you know, confidentiality and just being present, but not necessarily the focal point, like you're still a service provider, right? So you have to make them feel good and make them make them know, you know, you have to know your role when you're a makeup artist in, in general. Um, you don't want to overstep your boundaries. Um, but you're usually at the beck and call of them in a lot of ways. So they have a really busy life. They have a lot of things on the on the go at all times. And they usually get jobs, you know, last minute jobs and ones that they need you right away or they need you tomorrow or they need you to shift your whole day for them. And a lot of times um, when I was single, that was a lot, a lot, a lot easier to do. So um, starting in the in my career and networking and meeting a lot of people um, and being able to have a lot of job experiences for the first eight years of my career, I was I was able to swing that, I think, a lot more easily because I was really hungry to take every job and say yes to every opportunity. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of kind of bending over backwards for people and backbreaking things that, you know, circumstances and, and work conditions that maybe were not the best because you're just trying to get things done for the people in the time that they have available. So you're working in small cramped spaces or you're doing makeup in cars and you're just trying to work well under pressure and make sure that you don't make that client look bad by you not being able to do your job on time. So the the not so glamorous parts are sometimes just the, the fact that you don't really have the control or the choice in a lot of things. And even working with clients in you know their homes or in studio and they have families and other things on the go. You have to always consider the fact that things aren't always on time and you can't really push things to be on time. It's, it's that the client's time. <laughs> and if you only get 20 minutes to do their hair and makeup, then good, good luck. That's all you're getting. And it better look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. Is there, is there like one thing that, really stands out in your mind that was like <laughs> like a, oh my god how am i going to like do this <laughs> there's definitely been a whole slew of dramatic moments when it comes to bridal but one of the ones that stand that stands out in my mind that's not wedding related and like dramas that were out of my control this is something that i totally tanked in because i uh went to a job it was a magazine cover and i forgot my brushes at home <laughs> that's always my worst nightmare i'll stop like three times and check my trunk yeah yeah so <laughs> since that day i've definitely traveled with uh secondary sets just sitting in my in my car but i think what had happened was i transferred from my i might, I might not have even left them at home i think i might have left them in my car because i thought i was driving to the job but when i got to the first location they relocated us to a second location in a vehicle and it just was like mm-hmm. left behind so now i can't get to it but i'm in a different studio so I, they might have changed the studio space last minute and i and i just traveled with the talent and thinking i had everything with me because everything was packed up nice and tight um but when i got there and i opened up my heart sank because i realized i just didn't have my brushes and i obviously couldn't say anything because then that would make the person feel uncomfortable and be like well you're gonna f up now right like yeah they needed to be on their a game because they had interviews to do they had to be on a magazine cover so at this point i just started taking all the things that i could like i just set set up and i just composed myself and i was swallowing and i was and i was just staring at this setup and i was just trying to make a game plan on all the things that 
like, what couldn't I do now? Like, what did I have to eliminate? Because I just didn't have the, the tools to do it. So I just decided to do a fully cream application with my fingers. And I actually had one compact makeup um, component. And thankfully, like I searched all of them, you know, those Mac Studio fixes where they come with like a sponge on the bottom. Yeah, but one of them was not emptied. Usually I don't keep the sponges in there, but one of them had a sponge. It was like a new, Hallelujah. it was a new component. It had a sponge. So literally I tore up this round circular sponge uh, in half. And then in one of the halves, I tore it into like quarters so that I used the half sponge to do the complexion. And then I used another element of it to do the eyeshadow. And then I even did the detailing of the eyeliner with like the corner of it. I just found, I made it into different shapes to be able to make precise makeup um, with just this one sponge. And I, I shaded, I put in, I did the eyeliner with a pencil and I smudged it with, you know, the sponge or my finger. I swear to God, this was the ma best makeup I've ever done. <laughs> this sounds like an episode of one of those like uh, reality TV makeup show contests. So <laughs> they're like, you have one yes, tool to do the whole makeup. But when push comes to shove and you really get your head in the game, you can you can just one up yourself in general, like proving to yourself, not to anyone else that you can accomplish something and just being focused and not letting that obstacle ruin you because I could have just cried. I could have just been like, I can't, yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, or, or I could have been, or I could have panicked and I could have went to everyone on set and just like riled up dirty brushes from everyone's purses. Like those things went through my mind. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it just came down to like, what do I have accessible to me? How can I make this work? Um, like there were some things I don't, I don't remember exactly if I couldn't do it. I don't think I couldn't do anything. I definitely made it work. And I'm telling you on this magazine cover, I was so impressed with myself. But, and, and I remember doing it fairly quickly too, because I obviously didn't have so many things to juggle around and, and grab. Like it was, it was a, it was one of those things that definitely my heart dropped in that moment. And I thought this is an epic fail. Um, but it worked out in my favor at the end. And I definitely, I told, I told her midway through that like I was laughing because it started to, I was, I realized I was going to, I was going to nail it. We were going to be okay. And I was just <laughs> like, Hey, <laughs> funny story. Cause I don't think she even noticed. Like she didn't, she was, she was like in reviewing her notes. So she didn't even notice that all I was doing was like touching her face and patting, <laughs> patting things in. Um, oh my gosh. I'd done her makeup a, a million times before. So I was just, I was like laughing to myself that she didn't realize like how awkward I was in this makeup application, but it was, it was a, it was a learning curve, a fun time. I definitely never did that again. I was going to say, did you ever attempt to do no. <laughs> Okay. Brushes well, are life. There you yeah. go. No. I know. So what? So that was the worst thing that ever happened. What is the most memorable experience you've had um, being a beauty professional, or makeup artist, hairstylist? Uh, top story was definitely being in Windsor at the royal wedding of Meghan and Harry. That mm -hmm. that was ultimate. I was watching all your stories. <laughs> So I still, I've, I relived that. I have a highlight on my Instagram of me doing a commentary of like the whole thing on TV because I did the hair and makeup for, uh, sorry, I did the makeup for Jessica in the morning and um, I think little Ivy got a bit of a touch up too. But I was, 
I was just there for her. It was so nice to just have one person to focus on. Um, and we were there for a week. Like that was probably on the other side of the spectrum, the most glamorous part of being a makeup artist because we got to stay at the Polo Club in Windsor, which was where all of the celebrities um, checked into too. They were there for probably the the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, for the most part, like Priyanka Chopra was there, uh, all the suits cast, um, all of like lots of royalty, the cousins and stuff who came from out of town. Anyone who didn't have a house in in Windsor was pretty much at this hotel. Such an experience, but the most memorable was definitely the wedding morning and just kind of, that was the one job that I think I went over in my brain like a million times before I did it and really manif really envisioned how it was going to play out. Definitely had all my brushes. Yes. <laughs> and then we got to do a really uh, fun look change later for the reception because they were lucky to be involved in that too. That was a smaller scale portion of the day. I think the ceremony in the morning at the church had like 1200 people there and the reception like was under 200 or 250 people it was it was a smaller group with only a select few so all the suits cast were back at the hotel with us that night when we were doing karaoke <laughs> that's so much fun yeah wow that is amazing now did you ever expect like i'm sure you never expected like you know if you look back starting in your career that you would have had an opportunity mm -mm. like that like no <laughs> so surreal so eh? surreal because my mom loved princess diana growing up like when i was young i just remember lots of magazines of diana even her being like a makeup inspo for the 80s and when my mom was a makeup artist that indigo mascara and blue liner and she was yes. just an icon so i mm -hmm. loved her and to be told like if I was ever if I was ever able to speak to my younger self that I was gonna have any contribution to anything royal in my life I would never have believed myself mm -hmm. yeah wow and that's so amazing it is it is really cool I met Megan when she was in Toronto I did her makeup um in when she lived in Toronto filming for suits um so I knew her personally and and Jessica obviously was really good friends with her she traveled a lot with her and the whole I met Megan probably just before she started dating Harry. And so to have been like involved in the wedding in any respect was really surreal because it just turned, it just turned into such a crazy experience. <laughs> I can't imagine. It looked like it was so much fun. Yeah. That's awesome. It was uh, mind blowing for sure. It was, it was very interesting. Like it to, to have someone leave the hotel room that you're working on them. It, it just felt like a regular makeup like a regular service with someone mm -hmm. that you knew well and then next thing you know they're 10 minutes later on national television but at in the maid of honor seat of a royal wedding it's crazy yeah <laughs> so since then did that did that experience really change you personally or your business professionally on any scale i don't think it did because it was really low-key it was kind of, it was kind of a private thing. Not that I had to sign an NDA or anything like that, but there was, it wasn't really something that we were meant to kind of boast about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and I, of course. It, it just felt like, you know, it could have propelled a career, I guess, if you really wanted to make brand yourself as that 
as the person that did that and make that, I didn't want that my whole career to be surrounded by that one moment. And then it just like fizzle from there, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. although it was a really great experience, I, I look at a lot of things that I did in that, in that light. And I, a lot of clients I meet give me really great opportunities and I wouldn't ever just bank on one or capitalize on one being the epitome of my career. And so in general, like I definitely celebrated the win and the success of it all. And like the, the nature of it being so out of this world, I definitely got to speak to my friends and family about it, but I don't think I really took it to social in the way that maybe some other people would have. Because mm-hmm. I just, but, I don't know. It, it's not really who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I mean, in a situation like that, it's just tasteful to <laughs> to deal with it like that. So yeah, I respect that about you. You're you're very like a humble person. Like you wouldn't even know having a conversation with you that you've done and accomplished so many amazing things. And I love that. But um, for anybody who's maybe listening that might be starting off in the beauty industry um, and there, if you could give them, you know, a couple, one or two pieces of advice to um, help them with their journey, what would that be? Um, I think you want... I think you want to get into the profession for the right reasons. Um, a lot of people reach out to me all the time asking if I will mentor them or if they can shadow me on jobs. Uh, and I usually have a conversation with them. I want to usually, I, I want to be able to make sure that they're that they're getting into the job for the right reasons and that they love it and that they'll continue to love it. So I think the advice that I give people is to be patient with their career and not to try to jump into being the best on day one or to get all of the um, the opportunities or to get paid the most. Um, everyone had to kind of pay their dues to get to where they are. Uh, and as much as I want to be able to help people propel their career, at the same time, you almost need to have the time and experience to really have a lasting career. So it's a good it's a good thing to kind of give yourself the time to learn the craft and give yourself the space to get confident with what you're doing before you throw yourself into a role that might be over your head in general so and and then to feel like you lost some sort of enjoyment of it through that experience right so mm-hmm a lot of the things that I experienced early in my career and like in, in the opportunities that, that I experienced, I feel it was just, um, they were all like a, the building blocks to where I am now. And even just getting the confidence to be on camera and to speak about makeup and to speak about beauty. I do feel like I'm an expert in the field and I do feel like questions are asked and I, and I have a good grasp on how to answer them for specific people because I just I've seen a lot of faces and and tried a lot of things so mm-hmm. so it's important to kind of know that it's not an overnight success story for a lot of people you can go viral <clears throat> sorry you can go viral um on Instagram and TikTok thank gosh there's such great platforms to be able to get your work out there but it won't equip you for being on the job and in this the type of circumstances that you might be exposed to. And that can really kind of ruin you or it can be disheartening to kind of not have the know-how to get around and troubleshoot different 
things. And I don't want anyone to fail because they, they rushed it in that respect too. So it's important to kind of give yourself time and know that like anything, there's, there's, it's, there's room for growth for everyone. You're never the best at it. You're never going to be perfect. You're always going to have to chase learning new skills, following the trends, what you learned in school, what you mastered today is going to be obsolete next year or in five years. So make sure that you're constantly educating yourself and researching and kind of keeping yourself in tune with to what people want and what you what your aesthetic is and just building on that because you're it's easy to kind of get um too confident or everyone's a self-proclaimed makeup artist these days anyways and they could be amazing at doing their own makeup and doing a plethora of looks on their own face but it really does take a lot of practice on multiple people to be able to feel like and to know your way around everything and to just be equipped to, you know, be a master at your craft. So I think it's just important to remind people that they can shadow you and they can be involved, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be able to pay their rent tomorrow. <laughs> like I, I, or, you know, or they're just going to be able to, you know, become a super, I'm not, I'm not famous by any means. Like I've just, I've been doing this for a long time. Like there's, there's a lot of things that come into play with building a brand and maybe I don't really have the business mind that some other people do. So I think a lot of people can be really successful at it as well because they can focus their attention. And especially if they don't have a, a family that's kind of coming uh, into their, you know, world where they have to find the balance between work life and home life there's a there's definitely a lot of opportunity and there's no ceiling so I, I would always encourage people to get into it but just kind of know that it's going to take time to really perfect it and to get and to make money <laughs> yeah um a lady that i work for she owns a spray tan training company uh, her name is kelly and she always says that um this industry is like a marathon and not a sprint and that that just <laughs> summarizes basically what you said it's like not it didn't happen overnight. And same with myself, like I've been in this industry industry for over a decade as well. And it's like, <laughs> as soon as you feel like you have something figured out and mastered, like you said, it just changes. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I have to do something completely different. And I was also skeptical about putting myself um, on social media and, you know, having something like this, like a podcast, but you know what, the world is changing and we've been locked up for a while. So yeah. what are we going to do? We need to find other outlets. We still need to connect. We still want to be creative and we still need to make money. Yeah. So what, what have you been doing during this um, pandemic? What, how, how have you pivoted? <laughs> and right before, I think I was in New York. Um, I was in New York the first week of March doing something for Good Morning America. And I flew back and we got into lockdown literally like three days later. So, and I got super sick. So I almost, <laughs> I feel like I might've, I might've, uh, I might've came back carrying something that I wasn't aware was really circulating at that time. But um, everyone in my house got really sick around that time. Um, and I was traveling a lot. So, uh, and that was when we were all looking at each other like, oh, we're going to go into a three-week lockdown. That's Yeah. <laughs> See you soon. 
Oh, uh, boy. But it's been a lot longer than that. And we're going on to a year now. Um, we're over a year now. Sorry. We're, it's a blur. But right uh, when I guess we were just stuck at home and all of the things that I projected to have been doing kind of just were put on hold. Everyone just started rescheduling their things. So they pushed their events by a couple of months to be safe. And they thought that they would be back at it. We'd be back to normal life. Um, we all did. But in that time, me and a really good makeup artist friend of mine, who used to live in Toronto, but now lives in Thunder Bay, and we spoke on the phone often, we were um, late night chatters, because she had a one year old, or she had a, a newborn, and I had a one year old at the time. Um, we just were always just bouncing ideas off of each other in terms of what we could do, what we could, what we could create. We were in discussion about things that we could do and create before lockdown. But the pandemic really um, propelled us to come up with something that we can we could do to pivot out of being a service provider specifically or solely and get some other residual income um, to sustain ourselves because we definitely knew we still wanted to be in the beauty space. But at that time, what ended up happening is we collaboratively, we were going through our makeup kits, but that's all we were really doing at the beginning of the pandemic was um, just getting ourselves in order for the upcoming bridal season and what things yeah. are going to be so busy soon. So we were using the opportunity to like clean up our stuff and go through our things. Um, and we were depotting a lot of items because it kind of came to be known, you know, what kind of hygienic practices needed to be even enhanced further. Because even though we needed to be uh, practicing certain sanitation standards, uh, we realized and a lot of we realized as artists that a lot of the things that we were using or carrying in our kit weren't conducive with the practices that were going to be going forward be essential. So um, the palettes that we were using at the time were made of cardboard. So mm -hmm. those were pretty commonplace. Um, I, I depotted a lot of my products and it, everyone listening probably knows what depotting is, right? Because they're all <laughs> makeup artists or beauty professionals or women. Anyways, they, we, we were depotting our products. We realized our palettes were not going to be suitable for um, going forward. So we, made a product that we wanted to use and it kind of was born that we decided to just get a lot of them made because we wanted to we customize them we we made the molds we created we kind of wanted to go into an eco-conscious domain because we didn't want to go plastic uh, there's so much plastic waste in the world already so we wanted something eco-friendly like biodegradable and so we went we made a this metal palette that we were so proud of and we got samples made and we got sent them and we were so excited and we were just like mind blown like is this is this where we're gonna is this what we're gonna do and we pulled the trigger right i think we pulled the trigger in at the beginning of april so it was only a couple of weeks maybe four or five weeks from the idea coming to be that we actually created the product. Um, and then we decided to make like a mass order and start designing a website. And we pivoted into the e-commerce space. Um, and, and definitely with manufacturing and all of the learning curves that come in, come in that come along with starting a business that you know nothing about. 
Um, (laughs) Our launch was pushed like by months, three months, I think we thought we thought we were going to be so quick with um, being able to launch this business two weeks from when we got our samples. Meanwhile, like it, it took forever to really get everything in order and to even just be equipped to know how to ship things properly because we were a two team, two team duo running the whole company when it came to, you know, um, the social media content and the branding and the website interface, the design, the back end, the shipping and, um, just storing and all the inventory and everything that you have to do. It it was something that thankfully kept us busy during the first almost six months of lockdown before we were able to launch the product. And um, since then we've been consumed with being able to um, keep our business running uh, and try to add other, add other products that will, you know, be advantageous to the beauty space and the beauty community that are in line with our core values. Um, but perfect palettes. Yeah. That's, that's how that baby was born. I'm so glad that we did it because I don't know how I would have been paying rent without it. (laughs) (laughs) That is super cool. I love that so much. Um, I didn't ask you beforehand, but I'm not sure if you have, um, a special offer for the listeners. If anybody's interested in, um, scooping up that perfect palette, then you're, you're more than welcome to share info on that. Oh, yeah, I would love to be able to share even an affiliate code for you to be able to share with your audience because we have beautiful, perfect palettes. They, um, they're, I would, I would classify them on the luxe side of kit condensing because they are a little bit more like durable and and they feel good in your hands. Um, they definitely feel good on your on your mind because you know that they're better for the environment. Um, but we also launched two other products that we're really proud of this year, the Bella Wand, um, that you can do some research on. That's to uh, ditch disposables and to help you make less waste for your makeup clients and add value to your service because you could leave it with your clients as touch-up items. Anyways, you'll see all that information on the website. I will definitely be able to share a code that you guys can use if you're interested in doing some shopping. Okay. That's amazing. So I'll make sure that I include that information for anybody who's listening. If everybody wants more info on that, I will share the website and that link in the show notes also. So what else has been happening or going on with you, your life and your business during this lockdown? Well, during the lock, I guess the beginning of the lockdown was the most controversial moment because I was in the middle of working on a TV show. We had just wrapped up uh, I Do Redo and we were so amped to watch it on TV and to have a second season. And then one of my longest standing clients of eight years who got mixed up into this huge smear campaign so she was um probably the beginning of cancel culture and everything that is crazy and mean and vicious online (laughs) so that Mm -hmm. that i think also was what really catapulted me into thinking about how else i could sustain myself career-wise in the mix of not being able to actually work was the fact that, you know, one of the biggest contributors to my income was getting 
um, you know, massacred online and probably would not be able to employ me for some time because the fact that someone's whole career was slandered and, and the, the collateral damage that came from that, like obviously someone losing their career from something going on the internet and going viral. Cause you know, when it goes on the internet, it's just there forever. You just don't want to have that attached to your name. So I'm sure other affiliations to her were really put on the spot and we didn't have a, a show that we were going to be able to go back to. I didn't have, you know, my client and friend in my life at that time um, to be able to continue working with or, or to have a job. So there was, that was, I think, a, a part of the depressing moments and the ups and downs of the, the pandemic and what kind of came with it uh, for me was not, not, not a fun time. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like that is such a scary part about the world that we're living in today is that we are just out there doing our thing, following our dreams, doing the best that we can with, with the information that we have and that, you know, with the click of a button, a share of a video or whatever the case may be, this whole new cancel culture can be like you said very detrimental to someone's livelihood and the fact that you know a lot of us now are building our businesses through these online platforms it's honestly like sometimes it can be really scary to put yourself out there especially if you are in you know a celebrity or in the eye of the public um that can be i can't even imagine yeah <laughs> i feel like that's a lot of our like biggest fears and obviously we all hope that we don't get mixed up in anything like that or get targeted, right? Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, it at some point, somebody's going to have an issue with you if you're out there in public eye. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be someone that disagrees with you or wants to see you fail or mm -hmm. whatever, right? So is there any um, like positive takeaways that you can, you know, if, if you not that you would ever want to go back but and do anything differently, but what what is the learning experience from that situation for you? Well, just like as a bystander in general, I think you have to protect yourself to not be in a position where you can get hurt badly. So just be cautious of anything that kind of sets any alarms for you. So usually following your intuition and not and and not engaging with people online that you feel might not have the best intentions um i i luckily have not been in the crossfire of too many experiences where i had like haters coming after me but in but after the aftermath of that like i've had people message me or or something crazy because I'm affiliated with a story that they believe in and um, now they're trying to hurt me through it and I just I think it's important to not I think it's important to not take things too personal because a lot of the people that are online and are messaging you or or just surrounding you or followers they're not all fans and they don't even know mm -hmm. you so mm -hmm. don't let people who um you know pretend to know you or have something to say about it that might not be true have that power over you right so uh, it's not it's not worth fighting every fight like pick and choose your battles 
and make sure that you are just staying true to yourself and your morals. And I don't think you should shy away from the opportunity to have a voice when you, when you're given it. Right. So um, if I were to like, I would want, I just don't want to feel silenced again. I don't want to feel threatened again. Um, and I just, I don't want any of my clients or my friends to experience that again. So the advice I would have to give to anyone is definitely like, don't engage in the wrong types of people and conversations like block, delete, unfollow, don't respond to every comment. If it bothers you, literally these people um, that might be on your pages or following you might not all have the best intentions or really be a friend or a fan. So just know that it's okay to kind of um, not engage and to be happy with the things that you're that you're doing, you're posting, you're supporting, and and uh, just be confident that what you're doing is your path, and not everyone's going to always agree with it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I think I have a little bit more experience in that domain too, because even with Gracie being my business partner for Perfect Palettes, like we've had some dramas as a brand where other brands come at you because they tell you that was their idea or they want to take you down because you're you're gaining followers, you're gaining success, and they don't want you to have that. But a lot of people are going into this industry or they just have the mindset that there's just like not enough business for everyone and they're really cutthroat and they're really they can be malicious about it but we have a different perspective we want every there's enough pie for everyone to have some right so there's staying positive and just being welcoming and being and being confident in you supporting your own you know core values um Gracie did not have, I think, as much experience with haters as I did. And when things came about that kind of made her feel uncomfortable, she would always reach out to me like, oh my gosh, we're done. We're over. They said this. And it's like, that literally (laughs) means nothing. Uh, A handful of people might take that seriously. They're not your customers anyways. At the end of the day, any publicity is good publicity. So it's just something like as soon as those things come at you, you just have to not look at at it like an obstacle, but more like an opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And I was um, having this conversation kind of um, through my stories on social media the other day about uh, women empowering women. And I honestly genuinely feel like women are mostly out there to help one another and support one another. But I got a lot of responses in the opposite direction than what I had anticipated. And that just makes me really sad because I found with my own experience that helping other women and connecting with other brands and other businesses and supporting and sharing has only been to my benefit. Right. And I'm just, I guess, I, I think I'm naive. I'm like, what, why would you do that? No, I, <laughs> I just don't understand the intention or, you know, I guess it's a lack, like you said, um, not enough to go around the mindset, um, fear, whatever the case may be um, that causes people to react react in that type of um, way towards other people, other businesses, other brands, and so forth. I think you've been the type of person, and I've known this about you from day one, that you have been a supportive woman, and you are the type of artist that um, is very open, and um, it's not been 
uh, an experience with you and, and with a lot of artists that I know it's never been like a, a threatening or like a, a, an experience where you're trying to really like put someone down to get ahead. Um, and, but I also feel like before the pandemic, there was a lot of my business matters um, and we can't, we weren't crossing paths as much business wise because we were really just trying to propel ourselves into like the place we wanted to be. I've actually felt like now more than ever with all of us being in the same position at home, pretty much we all went to the baseline, right? And, mm. and there's no one really feeling like, um, or maybe there's less animosity or less jealousy going on online right now. Cause like no one really has content to be able to, to feel, you can't feel a certain way. I, I try not to really use social media that way where I, I scroll and look for people's things to, to compare myself to like, it's, I use it for business purposes. I want it to be a positive space. I don't want it to be a toxic environment. I use it, I, I post, and I try to like put it down and then come back to it just for like answering questions and, and messages. I, I do love to look at people's work, but I look at it in like an admiring way. Um, it's important that I look at it in that way because I, I want to be inspired by people's work and not feel like it's jeopardizing my own if only like I love I love Instagram for that purpose like I'm always I feel like I'm always just researching I just am doing work when I'm scrolling right but mm -hmm. now what I'm feeling like is we're all being are able to be a lot more supportive of one another because a you have the time to do something like this like a podcast where you were able to invite me to do it but mm -hmm. before we would have been so busy like we wouldn't have really made the time for another competitor in our industry the same way that we're almost being granted to do now so it's been actually nice to feel like we're all loving each other off right now like everyone's sharing and resharing each other's stuff it's like so <laughs> cute like there's a really like cozy feeling about it i get i i have i have to say that it's i'm almost gonna miss going back to like real life where everyone's just gonna be like post, 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 look at me. It's like, it's not about that. It's kind of, it's nice to have a little bit more of that inclusive space where we're all able to genuinely support each other and be like, you know, how are you doing? Like I've had so many conversations with people mm -hmm. right now where I'm like, how are you doing? How are you getting by? Like give, give me the lowdown on like what your family is doing right now or how you're feeling mentally What you know, and we've been a lot more open about giving, you know, more loving remarks, therapeutic, conversations real like digging deep into like caring about one another so that's been really nice because everyone's kind of doing their own thing but we're all trying to get you know just get through this together <laughs> so cliche. yeah no no but it's so true and i i i honestly hope that once things go back to quote unquote normal whatever that looks like um <clears throat> that it's not like how it was before mm -hmm. in regards to the hustle, you know? Um, I hope that we can include a lot more of stuff like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. I, I definitely have had a couple of moments where I've tried to envision what my life will be like when and if bridal season ever gets back to the 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 amount of of craziness that it was in the past or if i'm even going to be that thrilled to do it you know especially now like i have adjusted a lot more to mom life 
now more than ever, even though I was fighting it for a little bit, it was, it was a forced maternity leave. Like I've never, I never gave myself that at the beginning. I was back to work in six weeks and she was coming to jobs with me, with my mom in tow. And I was breastfeeding and I was traveling and I would, and I can't even like remember it. It's been blocked from my memory that that I was gone for like five days at a time when I had a four month old at home. Like that's just, that's crazy now because now I'm like with her every day and uh, every moment in time is just like, she brings me so much joy. So it's, it's been something really different because now, I mean, valuing your, your home lifetime and um, kind of forgetting what it's like to be submersed into work as well and trying to kind of balance it. I'm kind of, I'm intimidated by the idea of going back into it full throttle. Like I feel like I, I need to give myself a little bit of transition time. Yeah. I, well, I think we, I don't think it's going, it's not like we're just going to yeah. push a button or click our fingers and everything's going to be back to normal. Unless of course you live in Florida or Texas. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Uh, my sister-in-law's in Texas or in Florida right now. And I'm like, uh, should I go? <laughs> yeah, they what they just announced. We are no longer in a state of emergency. Everyone is <laughs> take off your masks. <laughs> I don't know. Oh gosh. Anyways, um, okay. I always like to ask this one question. Do you have a favorite quote, affirmation, mantra, or something that you just live by? Um, I guess there's two that I live by, and one would kind of, I guess every they all can be taken and applied to different parts of life my mom instilled in me the quote this too shall pass <laughs> so it's just kind of like every challenging moment is only temporary um mm -hmm. so not to dwell on you know the little things and not to get too caught up in you know pity parties or just feeling like things are a certain way and they're going to be like that forever because that's that's not true even as much as it feels that way at the time um and uh more recently i mean i've always lived this way but i didn't realize there was actually a quote for it but it's it's like everything's mind over matter if you don't mind that it doesn't matter <laughs> mind over matter if you don't mind that it doesn't matter that's cool right so it's and i re i realized that like my very laissez fair way of looking at things and um not being so consumed with the little things is one of the biggest trials and tribulations of my marriage is that, is that like if you don't mind then it doesn't really matter like not at that moment don't let it something consume you for like and and get into your head uh, if it doesn't matter like it, some people my husband's kind of OCD about about things that I don't care about but I'll do things I'll do things I'll do those things to keep him content and to make him not go crazy. But at the same time, he just doesn't get that. I don't have that, that same, you know, priority. And, um, it's kept me really at peace in life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. I'm going to wrap it up. So I want you just to, um, share where people can find you, where people can connect with you, where people can send you love, no nasty messages. None of our audience is about that vibe anyways. Okay. So <laughs> if you can, if you want to share where people can find you connect and also, um, your website where, where they can find perfect palettes, yeah. then that'd be awesome. 
Perfect mm-hmm. Palettes has an Instagram. It's perfect.palettes. Um, and the website is perfectpalettes.ca. No dot. Um, palettes is spelled P-A-L-E-T-T-E-S. So there's people mispronounce that or spell that all the time. Um, my socials and the best place to connect with me because it's where I live is Instagram. <laughs> and it's at Rachel Renna. Um, and I, I'm like so amped to have been able to have this conversation. I felt like it was the longest, most in-depth conversation I've had in a while. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. That was really, really good times. Hopefully. Thanks, Pamela, so much. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, have a good night. Good night. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. Bye. Hey, girl. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share a positive five-star review. And as a thank you for your love and energy, my team will send you a free copy of my social media content and goal planner. Please screenshot it and email it to info at priceless-beauty.com so we can get that to you right away. Until next time, let's stay connected on IG. Come say hello at Priceless Beautygram. And don't forget... You are worthy and capable of achieving anything your heart desires.